Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey everyone, this is Chris, and welcome to Dads with Daughters, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughters' lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. You know, I'm really excited today to be able to bring you Kyle Ashley. He uh, lives out in Minneapolis and is a stay-at-home dad with a one-year-old daughter and, and just getting through. I, I asked him the question. I said, are you getting sleep? And he said, yes, I am. <laughs> he was very emphatic about that. So, yes, so Kyle, yeah. thanks so much for being with us today. Of course. Yeah, happy to be here. You know, I love being able to talk to dads about across all different ages, not only for themselves, but also ages of their kids. You, you're right in the thick of being an early dad, um, but I want you to but I want to turn back the clock just a little bit, and I want you to think back to when you first found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. What was your first reaction? Oh, gosh. Um, so I remember um, the moment pretty clearly. My wife was out of town, and she was at a conference, and she called me, and she said, uh, I've, been, I've been feeling um, a little weird these past few days, and I think I might be pregnant. And so, you know, my, my jaw just hit the floor, and, uh, you know, neither of us were, were really anticipating it. We had, we had kind of, you know, opened up to the possibility that, uh, that that might happen, and we're in the fourth year of our PhD program. But uh, we were both just so ecstatic about it. And so then she came home from the conference and, and we got a pregnancy test and, and it was confirmed and real. And um, I just felt this overwhelming sense of excitement and also mixed with quite a bit of, of fear and uncertainty about the future and what it was going to bring. Like I said, we were in the fourth year of our PhD program and you know everybody we had talked to basically said don't even think about having kids while you're in a PhD because it'll mean that you won't finish and so you know that in addition to just all the other uncertainties that come along with parenthood for the first time you know we were feeling all of it and so uh, those were my general reactions when we first learned. Now you have your daughter and she's one years old and you said she's starting to to walk and she's starting to kind of talk and, you know, those milestones and you start seeing those milestones as you move forward. Now you made the choice to stay home and to uh, not work in the field that you got your PhD in, at least at this point. Talk to me a little bit about that and that uh, decision-making process that you went through to decide whether you were going to do that or not. And what was the tipping point for you to be able to say, this is really what I need to do at this time? Yeah, it's it's been a journey. So when we graduated, my wife and I were both doing a job search together and we were primarily looking for faculty positions. And um, in some ways we were sort of competing against each other for the same jobs. Uh, and she, she ended up getting the job. Uh, we actually both interviewed for the same job that she ended up getting. Um, so it's kind of a funny story there. I interviewed first and did a phone interview. And then 30 minutes later, she she did her phone interview. Um, so I always say, you know, I kind of helped because I, I gave her some some tips uh, right before that call. But uh, so she, she got the job. And so then we moved from Ohio to Minnesota, where, uh, where she's a faculty member now at St. Cloud State University. And I sort of like continued to do a soft job search uh, throughout that moving process. But all the while, you know, um, we have our daughter and um, through the move and getting settled, uh, just 
was doing daycare uh, with her staying, you know, spending my time and my days with her as my wife was, you know, gearing up and getting started with her job. And we started looking for daycare with the assumption that, you know, I was going to get a job and, and I would work and she would work and then our daughter would go to daycare. Well, as anybody who's gone through a daycare search knows, they are tedious and exhausting and, you know, there's, it's expensive. And so what ended up happening is we went through three different daycare providers and all three of them fell through for various reasons. And after that, I think I kind of realized that the universe was trying to communicate something to me, or at least that's, that's how I interpreted it. And that message was just that, you know, during this time right now, um, I'm supposed to be home with her. I'm supposed to be the one that's spending time with her and I'm supposed to be the one that's helping shape her. You know, I've heard and read some research that, you know, within the five, first five years of life is really when children start to develop their habits, their tendencies. It's, you know, the time in which they shape their worldview, the, the way that they kind of think about the world and make sense of things. And to know that, you know, I'm, I'm a part of that and I'm helping, you know, I'm helping develop that worldview. It's a really powerful perspective to step back and think like, wow, you know, um, within the last few weeks, she's, you know, learning sign language and, you know, she's really starting to understand communication in a way that she hasn't before. You can tell she's learning actively, you know, she'll look at a book and do the same, you know, hand motions or have the same reaction actions over and over again, which to me indicates she's learning something. And it's just incredible to be a part of that process and to, to be an observer and to watch that, but also to know that uh, I get to be a part of that, you know, and and so that's really cool. But like I said, it, it has been a journey. And so, you know, for me, a big part of the process has been letting go of that professional identity um, that, you know, quite honestly, for the last 15 years, I've, I've been working hard on and developing and, you know, I've got this, this professional reputation in my field and, um, you know, I've published and, um, you know, I, I, I'm sort of known in certain circles. And I feel like, you know, especially after graduating with a PhD, that I am the most professional qualified that I've ever been in my life. And then to go from that and turn around and basically say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to work. Um, it, it was quite a process to, to get there. And, you know, to be quite honest, it was, it was really hard. I resisted uh, for a long time and wasn't sure it was what I wanted to do. And the, the turning point really for me was I went on a trip. It was a bachelor party with a bunch of my buddies from college. And I hadn't seen a number of these guys for probably, again, like 15 years or so. And, you know, my memory of them from college was all, you know, they're jokers and, uh, you know, they, they're the types of guys who are getting into trouble and, you know, doing all sorts of stuff. And seeing these guys for the first time in, in a number of years and knowing that these guys are, uh, most of them now are dads and many of them are dads to daughters, you know, instead of spending uh, our weekend sort of getting into trouble and causing mischief like most people do on bachelor parties, we spent most of the time just talking about what it means to be a dad. And a number of them were also considering quitting their jobs and staying at home and sharing my experience with them and, you know, hearing some of my concerns validated in, in their experiences and also sort of just processing like, hey, are you dealing with the same thing? You know, what did you do when your daughter started to skip naps? And, you know, what about solid foods? And, you know, just all these developmental things and being able to process those with other dads who I had had relationships with previously and, I, you know, I could trust them. They trusted me. It was really powerful. And then to hear from them that they really respected what I was doing, you know, that they really respected this thing where I was deciding very consciously 
to put my career on pause, um, to be with my family, to be with my daughter. Uh, that wasn't something that, you know, they looked down upon or, or that was being judged in any way. It was something that, that was respected and appreciated by, by my peers. It impacted me in a significant way. And so I came back from that trip and I was, I was ready to go. And so I sort of dove in head first into the stay-at-home role and I've been loving it ever since. And that's not to say, you know, that I don't still have challenges from day to day. And I, I think a big part of that is some of the sort of masculine socialization around being a provider and a breadwinner for my family. You know, I definitely struggle with that, knowing that I'm, I'm not bringing in income to my family. And I also know, you know, that I am providing a very valuable service to my family. And it's given me some perspective on, you know, maybe what what women who have stayed at home to be stay-at-home moms have experienced for many years, knowing that they probably have had desires to want to go out and work and, and you know, provide income to the family, but they they have provided that in a different way through through providing childcare and shaping their children's lives. So it's it's been really powerful. I've learned a lot. I always say that uh, my daughter is my greatest teacher because uh, she she really prompts me to reflect on on so much about myself and so much about the world. And I continue to, to learn uh, with and alongside her every day. Now, you know, one thing that you talked about was about giving up of your professional identity. And, and, and I think that any dad that stays home, but, or any mom that stays at home, the identity that they have to take on, or not that they have to take on, but they, that they choose to take on, is just different. It's a different identity that they will grow into. Now, for you, as you've grown into this new identity for yourself, how do you either maintain or how do you can keep connected with the identity that you've set aside? Because I know that there's other dads that are listening that are saying, I like what I'm hearing or I'm in the same boat. And how do I not lose who I was with who I am today? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, ever since uh, I learned that I was going to be a dad, so you, you asked me that question about, you know, how, what was your reaction the moment you learned? In addition to some of those initial reactions, I also started to do some pretty significant spiritual exploration. Before I was a dad, I, I wouldn't describe myself as really spiritual in any kind of significant way. But when I, I learned that I was going to be a dad, I, I quickly came to the conclusion that if I am going to love my daughter in the way that I think she should be loved, I need to figure out how to also love and appreciate parts of myself that are going to inevitably be passed on to her. Because if I don't love those things in myself, then I won't be able to love them in her. And so I went on this, embarked on this spiritual journey where I really tried to figure out, you know, what's some of the stuff that I'm bringing into this role of being a parent. And that kind of led me down a path of uh, really thinking about, you know, some some of the tenets of Buddhism, some of the tenets of, of Christianity. And I came across this uh, this book uh, by Joseph Campbell. I don't know if you know Joseph Campbell. He's the creator of The Hero's Journey. So it's this uh, theoretical model that's used in a lot of like Hollywood movies. Star Wars is kind of the classic example. But The Hero's Journey basically says, you know, you know, you're you're thrown into a storyline and the hero, you meet the hero and they're sort of in their, their home environment. And then something volatile happens and they're invited from, you know, 
the universe or from something to embark on an adventure where they have to leave their home environment and sort of, you know, experience all these new and different things. And then through that process, they sort of uh, learn about skills and talents that they have or that they've acquired through the process of the adventure that they didn't have before. And in some ways also, they have to sort of lose parts of who they were before in order to become this this new person and to gain these new skills. And then, you know, after the adventure's over, they come back to their their home community and they share the skills that they um, that they've learned. So that's sort of the the hero's journey in a nutshell. And, and I, again, I, I stumbled across that through some of my spiritual exploration. But it really spoke to me uh, in regards to this transition that I went through with, you know, thinking about my professional identity and this new stay-at-home dad identity. Because like, like you were saying, like, I really wasn't ready to let go of that identity. But I think the, the more that I tried to straddle those two worlds and keep, you know, one foot in both, the harder it was, you know, I felt, I felt stretched and stretched and stretched to a point where I really wasn't doing either of them very well. And so, again, I think that trip to New York was really profound for me because I think that's when I decided, like, it's okay to take this professional identity that I've been working so hard on and to kind of put it on pause for a moment, at least in the capacity and the way that I've known, which has been, a, you know, an employed sort of income earning position. And that, you know, uh, putting that on pause created space in my life for me to explore really what being a stay-at-home dad meant. And it allowed me to sort of discover some of the joys and possibilities that were within that role that I wasn't allowing myself to see before when I was sort of trying to do both things at once. And so I will also say that I haven't completely let go of that professional identity. The field that I come from, I care a lot about. Obviously, I put a lot of time into it. I have a PhD. And so I started to think about different ways that I can engage with that professional identity than what I did in the past. And so um, I started writing and I created a blog out of my own personal website. The blog is uh, called Higher Education Meditations. And basically, I, I tackle some of the big trends shaping the field of, of higher education and student affairs, which is the field that, um, that I'm coming from. And it's been really fun to sort of engage that professional identity in a new way, not feeling like I have to earn income or, you know, do the, the traditional route. And not having a traditional employer gives me some freedom and flexibility to say some things about my field, maybe that I wouldn't be able to say previously. And so, again, I think being being open to these, these new identities and, and different ways has really allowed me to kind of discover some new possibilities within both of them. Now, I know that your daughter is, is only one. But you've still had to have, you know, ups and downs and, you know, things that uh, you have probably thrown you through a loop a little bit. What would you say has been one of the hardest parts that you've gone through being a father to a daughter thus far? I'm trying to think of like very tangible, you know, like developmental progression kind of kind of challenges. You know, teething was hard. I feel like getting a sleep schedule was very difficult. Um, but, you know, I think all of these things are pretty common experiences and, and really none of it was super out of the ordinary. I think really the most challenging thing for me thus far has been the transition that, that I was previously talking about from the professional role to this new stay-at-home role. Um, and then, you know, as, a, as another part of that, another component, my wife also sort of has gone through a, a similar but opposite transition. So she started working in this professional role. And previously, before we made this move, she was kind of the primary stay at home person because um, during graduate school, I was I was doing the teaching and she was kind of staying at home and finishing her, uh, her dissertation. So, 
we've kind of flip-flopped. And as she has gone out and, um, you know, started working full-time, she has really experienced some challenge around feeling this tension between, you know, being a full-time professional, being a faculty member, and all of the demands that come with that. And then all of these expectations around motherhood. You know, um, society says that, you know, moms are supposed to do this and supposed to do that. And I think she's really felt like, given her professional role, she hasn't really been able to do, you know, those those expectations of motherhood in the way that she would want to. And so she's really felt that tension. And so I think a big part of the challenge, you know, for me around this has also been supporting her and trying to help her go through a transition where, you know, she's sort of adopting these new identities and learning to be a different kind of mom and a different kind of professional than she had previously known as well. And so, you know, again, that for me has been a part of my my husband's role and part of my role as a partner to to support her. And that's that's been a difficult transition as well. And so, you know, again, that's not really about like uh, sleep schedules and eating solid foods and all these things. But, um, you know, I think any of us who have embarked on this this journey of parenthood, uh, we know that the real hard stuff is is not really that you know the, the, those tangible things um, are just a part of the process and we we learn to roll with it and you know we learn how to manage with only a few hours of sleep and, and all that but the real hard stuff I think is learning how to navigate life uh, with a new person that you're now responsible for and you want the best for them and you know financially how do you make all that work and um, you know just uh, the the real life difficult parts of parenthood I really I, I really think are more about learning who you are within that role of being a parent more so than than the sleep and you know all that stuff at least that's been the case for me i think bringing a, a child into the world today is very different than five years ago than 10 years ago than 15 20 and there are different demands on parents and but also the societal uh, the way that society is 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 happening around us you know the the amount of technology that overtakes our world i mean there's there's so many things that interplay with the role of being a father to a child at this point so as you are looking at the future and you look at the things ahead of her what are your biggest fears man i have so many you know this is this is something that uh my wife and i talked about a lot before we even knew that we were going to be parents was you know, uh, deciding whether or not we even want to bring a child into this world, into this this current world that we live in, because there's just a lot, like you said, there's a lot of scary stuff out there. And willingly bringing a child into this world means uh, willingly sort of exposing them to all, all the stuff that that is out in the world. But I think ultimately the conclusion that we came to is that, you know, we can't make decisions about our life based out of fear. And if there's any hope for a different future, uh, we have to be the ones that start that and we have to be the ones that instill different values in, in the next generation. And so, you know, I think um, primarily first focusing on uh, what it means to raise a daughter and the fears that I have around that going into the world. So a lot of the, the professional work that I've done in my career is focused on gender and masculinity specifically and, and thinking about, about gender and the ways in which we, we learn gender in our society. There's, you know, just so many expectations, both of, of men and of women. And they, they really pigeonhole us into trying to act and behave in certain ways. And, you know, raising a daughter and knowing that those scripts are out there and they're going to influence her, you know, uh, on a daily basis, we have to decide, 
do we want to buy the pink toy? Do we want to let her wear the clothes that have all the ruffles and glitter on it? And, you know, what do these things communicate to her about uh, the person that she's supposed to become and the way that she'll walk through the world. And so, you know, there's no right or wrong way to navigate those questions, but I, I do think that they have an impact. And so we try to be really conscious about that. And, and you know, what guides our philosophy is that we we want her to be able to decide for herself the kind of person that she'll be. And we don't want to sort of force any of that on her. And so if that means that she wants to become a Disney princess, awesome. Uh, but we just want her to decide that for herself rather than us deciding that or, you know, just sort of like blindly allowing society to dictate that that's going to be the course that she'll follow. You know, and then thinking about as she grows older and goes on to college, you know, one in four women in college experience sexual assault. A lot of my professional experience and my wife's professional experience is in college. And so, you know, that's a, that's a scary environment to know that you're going to potentially send your child into. And so how do you prepare for that? How do you navigate that? You know, those are all concerns and things that we think about. And then just broadly, you know, thinking about, like you said, technology and some of the concerns around around the ways in which corporations, consumerism, and technology is really encroaching on personal freedom. And I think really this idea of privacy, you know, I I really think that our generation might be one of the last to, to really know privacy in the way that that we have known it throughout American history. And that's a really scary reality. You know, we've had to navigate questions around social media and whether or not we post pictures of our daughter to social media. And if we do, what does that, again, what does that mean about privacy, about who has access to to her, her life? Um, And, you know, those are difficult decisions to make and difficult. And, and if you, you know, again, there's no right or wrong way, but um, every one of those decisions has an impact, right? So if you decide not to put your child on social media, in some ways, that means setting them up for a future where they're going to have this void or this lack where their peers are probably going to have a whole history on social media. Same with like screen time and cell phones. Like if you decide you don't want your kids to have a ton of screen time and a ton of access to cell phones, um, that might be good for some values, but it also might mean that they're going to be behind um, in terms of technology and, and understanding those things. So, you know, there's lots to be afraid of. And uh, again, I think if there's any hope for the future, it's got to be um, in the next generation. And and um, that's sort of what we hold on to. And I don't think we're the first generation that's ever had fears about the future. You know, I think probably every generation throughout history has worried about about the future and their kids and uh, what's going to happen. And, and we're here and we're doing okay. You know, certainly there are things that could be improved, but I think you got to have hope that, that your kids are going to be able to figure it out and do the right thing. So. I completely agree. I, I know that there are definite fears based on, as well, just different parts of a child's life too. So you go from one phase to the next phase, you know, when they're young, you're, you know, you have the the basic fears of physical fears of you know them falling and them getting into you know things that they shouldn't be getting into and you know as they get a little bit older then there's the fear of going to school and how that's going to impact them or you know however education uh, comes into their life and then as they get into their teenage years then you have additional fears and other fears you know of you know 
you know, not only emotional, the emotional changes and emotional aspects of their life. And as they then get ready and start to figure out what that identity is for themselves of who they want to become and who they are becoming and, and how that may differ from where you had thought that they would be or what you hoped in some aspect of your heart that they would be. And how, because it, you know, even though you want them to be your own person, in some aspects, I think every parent and every father has an idea in their head of, as they get older, oh, I would really love it if, you know, and even though you know you want them to be their own person too. Um, so I think at every age, even at the, when they get to become an adult, there's going to be fears of them going out, being on their own. Can they make it? Can they, you know, are they going to be able to be successful in what they're doing? I mean, there's all these things, but I think that, I think you're right. I mean, you, you, you know, a lot of times as fathers, I think we have to give, we have to let go and we have to eventually let go. There, there are, there's only so much we can do and do the best that we can do as they get older. And then we have to know that we've done what we can. And as long as we're there, to for them to come back to and to support them that they're going to turn out okay and that uh and and that that hope that i think that all of us hold is what gets us by so now we always finish our interviews with what we like to call our fatherhood five where we ask you five questions to delve deeper into you as a parent so first and foremost in one to two words what is fatherhood so uh in one to two words i'll just say it's letting go so going, you know, back to your, your comment that you just said, you know, I've, I've only been doing this a, a year so far, which is, you know, probably compared to a lot of the folks who are listening, uh, it's not very much time. But for me, from the very get go, it's just been a process of learning how to let go of my expectations. And, you know, the, the things that I've held on to that, that uh, I want for either myself, my family, my daughter, um, and learning to to be more flexible around what actually is going to happen. And the more I let go and the more flexible I am, I've learned that the easier things are for me, the easier things are for my family. And generally, I think the happier my daughter is. And so I, I suspect that that will only continue to, to be sort of uh, how fatherhood is shaped for me. And, and we'll, I will continue to be presented with opportunities to let go of what I think is best. And also trying to, to listen to some of that personal wisdom, personal experience, right? Like I, I don't want to completely sort of abandon my role within uh, fatherhood and what I bring to it. But also knowing that, you know, like you said before, like my daughter is her own person and if I really want her to thrive, I can't set out to make her a little mini me. You know, I have to let her be who she is and, and I can provide some experience and perspective and guidance, but uh, it's really just about getting out of my own way and, and letting her kind of be who she is. I'm going to have you think a few years down the road right now, because one of the questions that I love to ask is, is about how your kids will describe you as a dad. So let's say five years down the road, how would you hope, or maybe 10 years down the road, how would you, how would you hope that your daughter describes you as a dad? Oh gosh, this is a really good one. So my wife and I were just having a conversation because, you know, my daughter turned one. And so we were thinking about what are traditions that we want to start for her? You know, what are things that we want to do every year? And the ideas that I thought up were all sort of building things for her, building collections for her. So I have a, a I'm a big music lover. I love music. And so um, I've started a vinyl collection. 
And my, my intention with that collection is that one day I'll, I'll give it to her and pass it on. For her birthday, I want to start every year getting uh, a book for her and having it be a book that is somehow related to my life and books that were important to me. And so in thinking about, you know, how my kids or, you know, uh, my daughter will describe me in 5, 10, 15 years, I really hope that she sees me as, as being somebody who invests in her um, who invests in her future and somebody who really understands that that there's meaning in everything that that we do, even the small little things like a birthday present, you know. And my wife and I again were talking, and uh, you know, I had this realization probably that it's that you know approach is going to be so persistent from me that I can envision my daughter saying like, you know, Dad, not everything has to have meaning and purpose. Like there are some things that can just be fun or be stupid or be nothing. And so uh, I, I suspect probably that uh, my kids are going to see me as as the purpose-filled dad, which, you know, there are probably worse things than that. There are definitely worse things than that. Now, who inspires you to be a better dad? Well, first and foremost, my daughter. Just her presence, I think, has prompted me to really want to be m- the best version of myself. My wife inspires me to be a better dad because I see the way that she shows up every day and gives of herself and sacrifices and and takes care of herself and that inspires me to want to do the same and then you know this has been a really tough one for me but my own dad actually inspires me to to be a better dad my dad and I have had a complicated relationship and we're working on that currently but similar to what I was describing in terms of the spiritual journey that I that I embarked on to sort of better understand and better appreciate myself I'm working on that with my dad too And I am coming to the age where I'm realizing that the story that I have of him is more complicated than maybe I previously understood or thought. And that, yeah, that inspires me to want to be a better dad and to not only do things differently than he did, but also to try and understand what he did in a different light that allows me to have more empathy and compassion for him and the the things that I do as a dad. That are just like him. And what advice would you give to other dads with daughters? Oh gosh, I feel like uh, it's it's tough for for me to give advice because I, I really have only you know been doing this for a little while. But really, I think one of the biggest things that that has helped me um, has been again sort of connecting to my spirituality, my faith. So whatever that looks like for you, um, I, I would say. For me, that has provided a grounding and a purpose in my role as a dad that I've never known um, in any other identity in my life. And so that's a big one. And then the other one I would say is try to find community. So, you know, I I mentioned the story about the bachelor party and sort of connecting with these guys. I also have found a couple other stay-at-home dads just meeting people on the playground and setting up playdates and having, you know, those folks in my life where they're sort of going through the same kind of things that I'm going through and we can talk and process. It's been really huge, you know, um, it's, it's been validating and I feel like I have a couple guys that I can go to and yeah, they just, they get it. And I found that to be really helpful. So those would be my, my two things. Well, Kyle, I really appreciate you being with us today and uh, sharing your story. Now, if people want to find more of your writing or things that you're doing, I know that you have the blog that you're 
that you have. Um, where can they find that again? Sure. So my website is kyleashley.com. You'll find the blog there. And then um, my wife and I also do social justice and educational consulting where we go in and we do facilitation training and speaking with different organizations, uh, primarily around diversity and identity, race, gender, class, those sorts of things. And then uh, we, we wrote a book actually related to some of that work. The book is called Vital, A Torch for Your Social Justice Journey. Um, And you can find more about the book and our work at ashleyconsulting.com. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be